Slime Wire. Choose your own adventure. We were young and out of control. I haven't seen you since I was about mm, 16 years old. But then you called me up the other day. I was shocked. Oh, what could I say? And your voice exactly the same. And it makes me feel, makes me feel Oh, just like we never said goodbye When you spoke to me that way Oh, just like we never said goodbye And it makes me feel, makes me feel We went out the very next day You still remember my favorite place Tonti2 and EK Men Sensei are broadcasting out of Portland, Oregon and Shikoku, Japan, respectively. Vaporwave has begun to seep into the material world. We are living in dangerous times. Join us in our quest for truth in the vapor sphere. This is episode 2829, baby. The boys start off by paying tribute to the icon, pioneer, and visionary of experimental electronic music. Sophie, as well as the experimental SoundCloud rapper Six Dogs. Rest in peace to both of them. They will surely be missed. Tototiton T2 explains some vaporwave controversies surrounding ADMC a takedown of Tupperwave from Spotify and Vapid's encounter with a reposting bot. After that we welcome the first guest ever on the SlimeWire podcast, Dr. Show Clinton who educates the boys on some of the shenanigans happening in the financial world and cryptocurrencies. In the culture portion, we discuss episode 12 of Neon Genesis Evangelion and then review four new vaporwave albums including the mysterious Black Banshee release, the tenuous New World mixtapes from the Death's Dynamic Shroud Mixtape Club, and finally 3D Blast's new album, Music, Here to Stay. SlimeWire will always be here for you. 
SlimeWire will prevail. We will now begin the show. SlimeWire. Choose your own adventure. All right, mahalo. Uh, welcome to the SlimeWire podcast. This is episode 2829, baby. I'm, of course, your host, Tricon T2. I'm broadcasting out of Portland, Oregon. And I'm joined by my uh, wonderful co-host, you know him, he's the international man of mystery. Would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Uh, this is E.K. Man Sensei coming at you live from the sunny isle of Shikoku, Japan. Um, it's good to be here, and I'm excited to uh, get into a fruitful discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we have with us our first guest ever on the SlimeWire podcast, so... A big warm welcome to uh, Mr. Shill, uh, Shill Clinton, SlimeWire's resident financial advisor to talk us through all of the financial things happening in the world right now. Yes. And, and uh, would, you, would you like to say handles... hello? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's truly an honor to be here. Uh, <laughs> you know, longtime fan, uh, been dreaming of this moment. So thanks for having me. Yeah, and she'll actually handles all of the uh, the <laughs> offshore investments that we put our uh, put the revenue from this podcast into. So, uh, you know, he's been working closely with us to uh, <laughs> funnel our money into various uh, accounts and uh, uh, investments. And so also, he's an old, he's an old friend of me and Ikemen Sensei's. So, oh yeah, yeah, that's also an important bit. Yeah. yeah. So old friends, uh, we're all here. But um, so first off the bat for this show, I'd like to say uh, rest in peace to uh, Sophie, a true visionary, a true pioneer in the uh, experimental pop music, uh, what they call hyper pop now world. Ike yes. um, Man Sensei, since you are much more familiar with Sophie's work than I am, I would like to give you the floor. Well, I think it's just, uh, it's like, uh, uh, like we, our first episode, we talked about Charlie XCX and, um, uh, she's like a direct, uh, uh, huge evolution. Yeah. 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 Hugely influenced by Sophie. And, uh, like I remember listening to like Sophie's first, like, I don't know how I got into her at first, but like listening to her first like singles on YouTube and being like, Oh my God, this is fucking amazing. And um, yes, yeah, it's really sad. Uh, we've lost a true icon. And I was telling you like, uh, like the, uh, uh, the guy who wrote uh, ghosts of my future. Mark uh, Fisher. Yeah. Mark Fisher. Yeah. He, uh, talked about like uh he posed a thought experiment where like if you could send if you go back in time to like 1990 and uh show a guy from 1990 any popular music that was coming out today would it like blow their mind and would they be like oh my god i could never have imagined that this would have been uh this would have existed in the future um and like, you know, like if you were like, if you were a guy from 1990 and you like transported back into the 1960s and you showed them some music from 1990, they would be like, is this even like a song? Like, what is this? <laughs> and um, like, uh, and his whole thing was that you can't do that with any modern music in the 2000s uh, because it just all sounds like something that at least is recognizable 
to somebody from 1990. And I think that Sophie was like the first musician in a long time that made something that was like really new, you know? Yeah, like definitely like obviously from the future, like a true pioneer. And it doesn't just sound like, it doesn't sound like uh, music that is like about the future. Like it doesn't sound like music that's like a, like somebody's trying to make a song that sounds like it's from Blade Runner or anything, you know? Um, it doesn't have that. It just like sound, it just literally sounds like, whoa, holy shit. Nobody's ever done this shit before, you know? Um, so yeah, like I was real emotional when I got that news. I watched some, uh, I watched some interviews with her and I never like, uh, I never like watched any interviews or like read anything about her because I always wanted her like, aura to remain uh mysterious to me you know yeah yeah Um, and it was so weird like I watched like a red carpet interview that she did with some guys and she just seemed like just like a total like auteur like not suited for fame at all like she was just super nervous to be like interviewed you know yeah Um, yeah so I just felt like she was a total fucking genius and basically like the future of music uh, and yeah, she's gone. I mean, it'll like, I think it'll take like it, her like vision of music was so iconoclastic that like in order to get for anybody to get where she was, it'll take like years and years, you know? Yeah. Um, I was thinking about that, um, word auteur too, when like thinking about her, cause I was going through the, like, Cause I'm not like, like, I've never been like super into Sophie. I think Sophie is like a little bit even abrasive for me, but like, it's, I guess it just took me a while to like get, but I was mm-hmm. like listening to the, this is Sophie playlist on Spotify and shit. And I like, I can't believe like how like many people she like, like she produced for Madonna. She produced for yeah. like fucking like a bunch of Charlie XCX songs. She had like two songs on that like really good Vince Staples album, The Big Fish Theory and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has a song that has a little yachty on it. Like it's crazy. And like for how like experimental she was, that she's like still able to work with like really uh like pop artists. That's like pretty cool. Yeah, I think that she like so when she died and yeah, like just realizing how much she did influence people, like it was kind of a uh, it was wild for me because I still sort of thought of her as like a fringe like uh, person who was like mostly uh, just releasing singles um, and yeah I didn't realize how much she'd like influenced so many people but um, yeah I don't know I just yeah it's a damn shame and I mean like none of this is even like getting into um, like there's so many different like angles that you can take when you're talking about the influence of Sophie, because like there's the whole point of like her being the fucking like future of music and making this crazy music that nobody's ever heard before. And then there's also like her transness and like her, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's like a whole nother giant thing that she is about. And like, I feel like, uh, a lot of her, like when you listen to her music, you get an idea of like, that this music is somehow like about her experience of being trans, um, but she doesn't, like she never says anything about it, you know? And I think that's like, so like all of her music is like that element of her 
experience is like in the music and she doesn't have to call any attention to it you know like when you listen to like whole new world like you know that's a song about like transforming into another person you know um without having it without having a like explicitly stated um so yeah yeah i was uh i was fucked up man yeah r.i.p to a real one um yeah to the absolute real one I would also like to say rest in peace to uh, Six Dogs as well. Six Dogs died about a week uh, before Sophie. Um, I see you smirking, Evan, but Six Dogs was actually very good. He was a very yeah. good, um, really experimental SoundCloud rapper that is like way different from a lot of other SoundCloud rappers. He was like mm-hmm. a white dude that he like drew a lot of influence from uh, Slug Christ. Like, Oh, no, no, no. I listened to that song after you told me that he died you had one of his songs on your playlist and yeah i really like that song that was a good yeah, song yeah he, he is a slime wire resident he has been on the official slime wire uh, records slime list slime wire podcast slime list but yeah, um yeah. yeah he was very good and he unfortunately killed himself so rest in peace to sophie and rest in peace to six dogs six dogs at a point like was like he, he had a point where he was poised that he could have been really big but like yeah. then the SoundCloud scene just sort of fizzled out and like there was really nothing for him to do to like gain any more traction. But um, yeah, sucks. Um, so rest in peace, Sophie. Rest in peace, Six Dogs. Yeah. It's a dark, it's a dark time for the future of music. Yes, definitely. Um, well, all right. Well, that fucking sucks. Um, yeah. Well, to get into some something more lighthearted, I did have two little... Uh, things about some vaporwave beef that I would like to share with you guys that happened. All right, let's so, get back into worldly affairs. Yeah, well, this is ostensibly a vaporwave podcast. I know we talk about lots of other things, but this is yeah. a vaporwave podcast, so this is important. Um, so the first thing is there is an artist named uh, Tupperwave. Tupperwave is sort of a newcomer to the vapor vaporwave scene. They've been around for like. I'd say about like two years, maybe three. Um, they've been really popular like the last year or so. And they're a very classic like sample-based vaporwave artist. Anyway, they uh, they started monetizing their music. And of course we know when you monetize music that has lots of samples in it, which you know we've talked about this before, this can yeah. lead to a uh, dangerous territory. Down some so, dark roads. Yeah, so um, Tupperwave released, like, their song got DMCA'd and it got taken down off of SoundCloud and, like, Bandcamp and Spotify and everything. Um, And then some, like, dude in the Vaporwave subreddit, like, made, like, a real smear post about Tupperwave that, like, called them out by name. And I think the name of the post was, like, Demand Better Vapor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You showed <laughs> yeah, me. That. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just yeah, it's just all about like um like they they're they're bringing back this like uh sort of elitist take of vaporwave where like we so I'll just read the post. They um yeah. that post ended up getting removed because it was like seen as like a hate post because it called somebody out by name. So they basically reposted it but took out all the names, the direct references, the to... direct reference. But I'm gonna read this post really quick it's called demand better vapor uh this is an observation on how the vapor community contradicts itself on the threshold of what is considered inventive and what lacks original thought 
This is a commentary on the art audience and not the artist. So this is him trying to, this is him uh, retconning what he said before. Uh, uh, this is an understanding of about what people should be willing to accept and support. This is not an attempt to codify what is and what is not vaporwave. This is not a gauge of any single person's production skill or musicality. That's a, that's a lie. Um, this is a call to demand better vaporwave. We should move beyond music as a message of anti-capitalism, satire on past media, or <laughs> blatant irony. These have been explored to their depths and to the point of semantic satiation. No community can be anti-capitalist when they are obsessed with a market of vinyl and cassettes. Okay, that's fair. That's a fair uh, take there. Um, irony and satire are often crutches for mediocrity. It all ends up weak defenses for an artist when backed against a wall with valid critique. Should an artist stop employing those elements in their music? No, of course not. But without an adding anything fresh to the scene, the music will remain on its current plateau. Another observation is how the community will pick winners and losers based on popularity within the scene and use backflips of logic to support who they care about. Let's apply the usual defenses and excuses to the songs below. Okay, blah. He lists a bunch of songs. Some of them are from like really popular vaporwave artists and like they're obvious, just like all they did was slow down the song, but nobody yeah. cares. And then there's some yeah. other artists that like, like did that as well, but then people got mad at them like uh, mm -hmm. pizza or haircuts okay, for yeah. men. Yeah. Yeah. If you are an artist who gets called out, own up right away because your fans deserve it. Plunder, <laughs> plunder phonics is a term that gets thrown around in defense if you actually read the paper that coined the phrase it's only in the title and not trying to establish a genre or a set of rules we get it vaporwave has samples interpolation uh remix and pastiche is inherent in a broad range of music vaporwave is not unique or special in that regard that's not true vaporwave is unique and special because it is like a glorification of stealing music yeah. yeah 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 uh with that in mind we should support and celebrate the artists elevating the form instead of imitating everyone else who came before our expectations should be higher especially when monetization is at play stop celebrating artists who figured out how to ride the edge you're just being manipulated uh yeah so any thoughts yeah well first off i always feel like people that are like well how can it be like how can we be like an anti-capitalist uh musical genre if we're like trading and selling tapes and it's like that's not like i don't like just because you like are selling tapes on ebay doesn't mean like you're not an entrepreneur you're not like right don't <laughs> conflate simple bartering with uh <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah 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 exactly just because you're swapping these like yeah uh homemade cassette tapes with your buddies like you're not like i don't know do you then go and take those like funds and then invest them into a uh, like <laughs> do you put that into the bank you know yeah uh like are you like uh like hiring laborers to make these tapes with the like <laughs> with I the mean, capital gained from it like i don't know i just like if I just you always... look at the uh if you look at like the vaporwave cassette club like all the people that are like buying loads of tapes or selling loads of tapes all they do is put that money into buying other people's tapes more tapes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a so like market. i don't want to 
I don't want to deride anybody's passion for that like hobby if you have it, but I just don't like, I always just feel like that's not really, I don't know. Like you're not a businessman, you know? <laughs> um, and the other thing is like, yeah. So I just think that like, uh, I was thinking about this and a, like I do kind of agree with, I don't agree with this guy at all. <laughs> but I do agree with the general sentiment of like, and I think I differ with you in this. Uh, like I, uh, you know, I respect and like people's music if they're good and talented at making it, you know? So like, yeah. if they have the ability to like, you know, really like, you know, sampling music's fine, but like taking it and making it something else and you know, it's when it's obvious that you are a master of whatever tools you're using to recreate, to make what you're doing like that. I get that. better, but I mean, I just, I agree that that's better, but it's like, I wouldn't ever call out somebody for making lazy vaporwave, you know, like if people, if other people like the music, this guy's mad that other people like music that he doesn't like, you know, like that's weird. And it's like, yeah, you can be like a lazy vaporwave artist and like if somebody likes it like fucking go for it in my opinion i think that it's, it's the same general trend and movement that we have been tracking here at slimewire yes which is the like uh basically within the vaporwave scene there's people that like want to transform it into like a legitimate art movement right or like want it to be seen as legitimate in the eyes of other people right Mm -hmm. um and i think there's a lot of people that like that uh started off in the vaporwave scene and making you know like not really just kind of fucking around and making some uh albums um but maybe at some point they had a dream to become like a real like a legitimate artist and so they're trying to like because the connection with vaporwave like delegitimizes them they're trying to can make the whole scene into something else but um yeah i don't think it's ever going to be that and like i think that uh yeah he's confusing like vaporwave as a certain set of like aesthetic uh similarities between music uh-huh. um and vaporwave as sort of the like the as like a process of people you know like um as a music that had that started on the internet and like revels and glorifies in the idea of like yeah just taking any sample slowing it down putting some fucking reverb on it and releasing it yeah um but that's like i don't see why you wouldn't like i think that is so i don't know uh like that is a cool artistic statement to me yeah Um, i mean what i would say is like i mean it's like ridiculous to be mad at this stuff but like if you are that guy that is just like sampling songs and slowing them down and then you're monetizing it and then it gets dmca'd like I mean, you can't really complain about that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You you played the game and you won the prize, like. Yeah, 
yeah fucking like expecting money from you know slowing down songs it's like you know that's what we've been saying about vaporwave from the start that like maybe none of this should be for money you know yeah for sure yeah i mean it's better when it's not for money the monetization thing is kind of ridiculous but um i don't know and i think like for me just the just like the story of a like when i hear like the story of what pizza did and what he was like a like like a 17 or 18 year old guy just cranking out uh album Album after album album. yeah 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 like that to me like that is like once again like we've talked on the show before about like um we've never talked about pizza so we we maybe should bring up our thoughts on this pizza thing and i'll I'll preface it with saying that like the pizza was a dude that he would crank out like an album a day he was very prolific and then eventually people realized that he was essentially just stealing other like uh, not like songs from the 80s but like other like soundcloud producers like trap producers songs and just yeah. re-uploading them or slowing them down like <laughs> very minimally but like creating this like fucking like market thing like the the, yeah. the moniker of like oh i released this and it, at the end of the day it's like how else was he releasing an album a day like of course yeah. he was just doing nothing but yeah. like i think that's an artistic statement in itself yeah and like it's an artistic statement and it's also there's like a value in like for me the like the story in my mind that that paints is of a uh entrepreneurial small like a guy like a like a 17 year old dude that's just trying to hustle and make it in this scene you know and he's not like like he's just gonna do what he can and he's too young to really understand that you like that this is ridiculous and he's like caught up in the heat of the moment you know yeah and so like regardless of whether it's like morally right or anything I feel like it's just it's like a good story and that alone is enough for me to condone that and I think that like um like if you really are for vaporwave then there really is no reason that you shouldn't want just and chopped up and screwed right so like you should just by the way you're like just like embrace like as much of it my connection's fucked yeah you're like cutting in and out well i mean i can hear everything but it's like it's lagging zach are you getting that too or is it just me okay it's clear on my end yeah it's just my computer all right Uh, my internet's been kind of wacky lately it's all good don't worry about it yeah um so yeah so that's yeah so that's my take so that is what i think about this is that like uh so a vaporwave is as much about a process of manipulating music and a platform like a like a way of presenting music as it is about any kind of aesthetic uh you know palm trees and roman busts and um like there's sh- you know if you like vaporwave you should just say yes to vaporwave and let yeah. there be more vaporwave you know so i don't see any problem with it and if you want to monetize it and get busted then that's uh that's on him and at the end of the day the impulse for people to say like 
okay, well, we have to like curate this scene and like make sure that we promote artists that are really putting in a lot of work. That is kind of a selfish thing, I think. Yeah, I think yeah. it's kind of worth pointing out too in any other um, form of art or medium of art and their subgenres, like these things kind of like sort themselves out. Um, just be, you know, does that make sense at all? Like it, it, the like if like they get DMCA, they're they're just you know they go yeah. Like, or if if something is like not up to par, quote unquote. Yeah, the the cream like it gets off. yeah, it sorts itself out, and nobody has to like punch down. Um, That's on true. The yeah, you know, yeah, I don't know if in pretty much can... any other form of art that's it all works out that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah i, I think that there's a guy that made the original post is an artist i don't think he's an artist like i, think that, I was very curious about that too like yeah. okay he's he's um sounds like he might be a practitioner of this art form the way he's <laughs> talking about it and so i'm curious okay yeah uh, and that just comes off as like jealousy you know mm-hmm. yeah i think that they're like uh there might be more anxiety regarding this you know like uh because people in vaporwave have had a history like for a while it kind of was popular like you could like just the fact that you slowed down a song and put it on your album like you that could rise to the top just because it's kind of funny that you did it you know but i think that already there's people that are not like i don't think that that like that just the shock value of doing that has kind of worn off at this point, you know? That's why nobody's uh, ever heard of this Tupperwave guy. I'd never heard of pizza before. Like, most of the people that, like, are... uh, that are big Vaporwave artists have already moved into making more, like, professional-sounding music. So, yeah, I think that we got to let a free market entail and sort out these problems. Right. We don't have to demand anything of anyone. For sure. There was one other uh, piece of vaporwave news. Um, sorry. Um, this was an artist called uh, Vapid. I think it's Vapid. It's um, V, the at symbol, P-Y-D. But okay. basically what happened to him is he found there, he shazammed his own music and uh, <laughs> found out that there was some random guy that had been uploading all of his music um, beside, like, separate from him, some random guy um, yeah. that was uploading all of his music to Spotify under a different name <laughs> and, like, changing all the track titles. And uh, so this guy was like, shit, what do I, what do, I do about this? Yeah. And um, eventually came to the conclusion to just let it be and said that, like, this guy is maybe making, like, five cents a month off of my music yeah. on Spotify. I use blatant uh, samples. So like if I try and attack, like <laughs> if I try and like fight this, Get mad at this guy. Like, it's just going to come down on me. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's just sort of like a, for me, it's like a props thing. I think he figured out the exact right way to handle that sort of situation. And this is a great compliment to like the last story. And like, that's how you do it right. You know, like that's a good, yeah, that's a good, that's like that. It's what you got to do. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, okay. So like, if you look at like similar uh, 
similar genres of music that uh, are, you know, steal samples from other things. Like, you know, the go-to for that is, of course, hip-hop. And, like, when sampling was a big thing in hip-hop before everybody got lawsuited into not being able to do it, like, it was basically an unwritten rule that anybody could take your track and rap over it and release a mixtape and make money off of it so like that's a similar instance where the same basically the same rules applied where okay like basically anything goes and anybody can take what i made and reformat it in some way and then sell it or do whatever they want with it but even diss Um, you on it like people like rappers would take other rappers songs and then diss them over their own song over their own (laughs) yeah exactly yeah like that's very documented um yeah uh yeah so ultimately um more power to tupperwave and i want to hear the next uh slowed down uh imagine dragons song that he has to put out <laughs> <or> whatever <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever it was Hell yeah. i'm down with it all right well folks should we not waste any more time should we go right into what we're really here to talk about today yeah the the financial news that's uh sweeping the nation all right let's let's bring it over to dr dr shill clinton (laughs) Uh, talk to us about some finances of course everybody knows about this GameStop stock shit that's happening very few people understand it i don't really understand it completely um i guess what i would like from you is just like at first just sort of a timeline of events what's been happening in the so, stock yeah. sphere, in the crypto sphere. So yeah, um, I want to first start out before we get in too deep by just uh, making a disclaimer on behalf of all three of us for our legal <laughs> sakes that none of what we say is financial advice. Uh, this is okay. for entertainment purposes only. Um, yeah. Anyhow, so yeah, the biggest stuff in the news is the GameStop uh, the it's now referred to as the GameStop short squeeze of January 2021, and it will probably go. Oh shit! He froze. You know, uh, history for. Yeah, you're doing just fine. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah, Morgan, you're froze on my end here, pal. It says my internet connection is unstable. Oh no! Oh, you're unstable. Um, and just keep going. I'm, I'm still recording. Yeah, okay. It'll all be good. Okay. All right. Well, so GameStop stock. Um, yes. As we all have probably collected, the in the recent events um, was sort of painted online as like this this sort of opportunity for what you would call retail investors, meaning normal people like us, um, as opposed to institutional investors. Um, Retail investors finally found a sort of loophole in the system um, to fight against um, a hedge fund. In this case, this was Melvin Capital, uh, Mm. which was um, using certain investment strategies to sort of suppress the price of GameStop's stock stock for quite a while. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, it's a, 
I'm not going to get into too much to the technicalities. Um, so what the subreddit Wall Street Bets was sort of the uh, the uh, the place of congregation, if you will, for all of these retail investors where this wave yeah. took off, where they all yeah. started pouring their money, um, their their stimmies, their recent $600 <laughs> stimmies, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. pouring those into uh, GameStop stock and not only stock, but options. Um, options are a type of investment tool or strategy that you can use. They're very capital efficient, meaning you don't need a lot of money to make a lot of uh, a high percent of return. Um, okay. It's a higher reward, but higher risk, which matters yeah. a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so I came across on Twitter, uh, this name kept popping up, a username Deep Fucking Value. From <laughs> the, uh, he's a poster on the Wall Street Bets uh, subreddit. Yeah. So this guy... I think he's like a 34 year old who lives in hey, Massachusetts. Wait, wait. Just to just preface this, you, you've achieved this information through like going undercover into, into crypto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my first, this is also my question. <laughs> this is like information that you have gleaned. So we want to know if this is like a, uh, if this is like a breaking, if we're, are we breaking this story? Are we breaking this? We are not this? breaking this story because I actually found out today this poor bastard who I'm talking about, uh, deep fucking value. He was doxxed by like Reuters um, like a week Jesus. ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like, yeah. Um, but he's since been interviewed by the Wall Street Journal and shit. Um, but yeah. yes, I, I, I glean all, all my information, mostly from Twitter. Um, yeah. But you know, the internet. Yeah. Uh, where I'll get it these days. Mm. Um, anyhow, deep fucking value. Uh Let's see. What's his name? Keith Gill. <laughs> so Keith Gill, uh, back in September of 2019, uh, yeah. this guy used to work um, in like uh, the more institutional side of, of investments and stuff. He was a okay. licensed um, broker, I believe, something mm -hmm. like that. So um, he at some point in 2019, late 2019, opened up a position um, of call options for GameStop stock. Okay, so he was making a bet essentially that this stock is going to go up. He opened a 53,000, approximately $53,000 position. Okay. Um, tracked it all the way through 2019, 2020 on Wall Street bets. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm not exactly sure what happened, um, what sparked um, the retail wave that came behind him. But he was uh, the initial seed of this whole idea, this guy. Um, okay. And he was tracking all of this progress. Um, and then, you know, the narrative sort of turned to like, oh yeah, this these are meme stocks. The uh, this <laughs> GameStop is a meme stock itself yeah. right um why the fuck would anybody <laughs> believe in the fundamentals of, of of the gamestop's business plan you know like yeah it's, yeah. yeah yeah why would you obviously bet on going gamestop's right. never taking a comeback yeah. right so yeah but so the... it was under so much pressure go ahead mm. did you have a question so there so they are not nobody is making a good faith uh prediction that gamestop stock is going to 
rise and they're basically not they're nihilistically putting in money into GameStop stock as a gag so like okay so I guess actually so the question that I'm trying to ask is when because I understand that as soon as people started buying GameStop stock that caused the stock to rise right yes because everybody was buying it yes but at first people basically just like did everybody have the idea to uh short like no did everybody so have the idea like hey we're gonna short squeeze melvin uh financial company into bankruptcy no or did they just think i don't be funny i don't think so um, for all I know, this guy, Keith Gill, might have said it somewhere in along the last two years. But mm -hmm. uh, the point of targeting GameStop was because of its low market cap or its low just total value. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like the idea of a penny stock. They're very volatile. They can be mm -hmm. very volatile. If volatility uh, means high risk, high reward. Yeah. Okay. So he he called it on his subreddit of uh, his YOLO bet on uh, GME. So he knows this is a very, very high risk play because mm -hmm. think if a $5 stock moves $1 in either direction, that's yeah. a 20% move, right? Yeah, sure, sure. If sure, a okay. $100 stock moves $1 in either direction, 1% oh, move. Okay, okay, so, I understand, yeah. Um it's easier to mm. affect the value of something that costs less. Okay. okay. So that's why. Yeah. That's low why value stocks are volatile because if you put like a hundred thousand dollars into a $5 stock and it moves any amount of money, yes. Then you've either gained or lost a huge amount. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the, the fast forward to end of January, um, Wall Street bets caught up, you know, it was a wildfire and everybody's pouring money into GameStop stocks. And then um, they started pivoting towards other meme stocks like yeah. AMC, AMC yeah. Nokia, um, <laughs> things that are just fucking hilarious. Uh, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, all very low market cap, you know, considered relatively low market cap when you compare it to what's most traded on the market, Apple and Tesla and Google and everything else, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So what's interesting about this guy, Deep Fucking Value or Keith Gill, he um, opened this $53,000 position, held it for two years, kept rolling over his position for years um, at its height uh, at the end of January. I think it was like January 28th maybe. Um, his $53,000 position had amassed a value of $48 million. <laughs> and yeah. um, so uh, right now uh, he's held through that a lot. Um, he's realized some of the, so he has like a guaranteed 13 million right now from his wow. original $53,000 entry. God damn. Um, Guaranteed 13, but it's still sitting at about 22.4 million shit. right now. Um, so he's holding, um, yeah. but the internet turned it into this huge thing, uh, this narrative of like, oh, we're fighting the establishment. Um, and in his recent Wall Street Journal um, interview, 
he was quoted as even saying like i like um i don't want to be what did he say uh he wasn't a rabble rouser out to take on the establish establishment he's just someone who believes investors can find value in unloved stocks so he was just like a guy who had a very idea yeah yeah because he used to be in the business uh-huh. everybody else will do it yeah um, and then they find out uh at some point you know this hedge fund was in a mix okay um and uh the thing about <clears throat> about the whole message right now the fat i think it's it might be somewhat of a fad mm-hmm. um and it's potentially although it was really cool when it was happening and some people made a lot of money i know a lot of people yeah lost a lot of money trading in any market is a zero-sum game um in order for you to win somebody's got to lose and vice versa Mm. um so a hedge fund if you're battling an investment firm or a hedge fund they have you're, you're it's like you're playing against the house in a casino yeah they have tools and resources bailouts ppp loans yeah you or i lose our money nobody gives a fuck yeah, uh, yeah, yeah so yeah it's it's dangerous it's kind of dangerous especially for the uninitiated and uninformed um you know so so that's interesting because i was of the uh like i thought that i mean from what i've uh read on the internet i was under the impression that this was mostly like just sort of a pure like a like most people were not really in it to cash out and Mm -hmm. get money. Like a bunch of people were in it basically just to say, Hey, fuck you. Look what we can do. Uh, We can bankrupt this uh, uh, investment firm or whatever. They definitely wanted to cash out in the process. I would say you're absolutely right, Evan. And you're absolutely right too, Morgan. Um, I'm sure a lot of people got into it for that reason. But what's the end game? Um, ultimately, what principles are going to prevail? The bills you have to pay or, you know, your yeah, your, yeah. your sense of, you know, uh, fighting the establishment. And so, unfortunately, but, I think it's the former. Yeah. But there's, so there's, so on the one hand, there's no way that. Uh, the the financial the established finance that is in this conflict can lose because they can just get bailed out like yeah. you said they're working with so many resources that it doesn't fucking matter this is a what whatever this happens. will be chalked up as a bad month for them and what yeah. is otherwise probably a very profitable year um, yeah like every other year um, yeah these are the people that you know most of the time it's people that created the game right um that yeah. we're all playing um when it comes down to it um and yeah then then there was all that stuff with robin hood that's a whole nother thing the robin hood mm-hmm. trading app which is just a shitty um ill-equipped sort of um trading platform they halted trading in the middle of this yeah. craze on gamestop uh f- fucking over a lot of retail traders um, mm-hmm. And largely because they just weren't prepared for it. 
they didn't have um, as much. They didn't have like as as uh, they were like I think essentially this retail wave like uh, the actual yeah. shares that they're trading. Um, yeah, so I think yeah. So the Robinhood thing is one other is a different question than like that was just something that happened where the, whoever owns the Robinhood app it was it's basically in their interest to bar people from uh, buying certain stocks on that app. And they can do that because it's their property. It's their intellectual right. property. It's a private company. So like, yeah. That's another thing that's like, you know, that's shitty, but that's another ethical question. Um, but like, well, well, I, I mean, guess. Was it like nefarious to do that? No, it, it wasn't nefarious um, in my opinion, but I think uh, they like tried to cop out by saying like, um, oh, these are dangerous trading conditions and there's all this volatility, but uh, yeah. what they were really just not prepared for it. Um, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> sorry, real quick, there is a parent company of Melvin Capital. I'm spacing oh, I on heard the about name this. right now. I heard about this, yeah. Right. And they, uh, during this short squeeze where Melvin Capital was just getting fucked for billions, um, they, mm. were, they lost, they closed closed their uh short position on gamestop yeah which everybody was fighting against right they yeah, closed yeah. their position like losing billions of dollars so that was mm -hmm. awesome that that actually did happen yeah um and it did send a message like it absolutely sent a message um mm -hmm. but this let me find it right quick okay so melvin capital is owned by the parent company Citadel LLC, which, according to a Bloomberg report, gave Robinhood roughly forty percent of their income. Wild! They gave Robinhood forty percent of Robinhood's income. Yeah, due okay. to their the amount of trading they do using okay, their gotcha. platform. Gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. So, oh, so they use Robinhood, and by using it, Robinhood generates forty percent of its income. Yes. And they're a parent company of Melvin Capital. Which was getting fucked. Getting screwed. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. The parent company had to bail out their shitty fucking their, kid hedge fund. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then as their job. kids getting, you know, like fucked up, then they t then somehow Robin Hood shuts down. Um, gotcha. Just out of the So blue. that's why a lot of people, you know, are like, okay, what's what's actually happening with Robin Hood? Um, okay and uh so there's a, large... a credible credible like accusation of sort of capacity to handle this amount or you know like where the where they have legitimate concerns and whether they just want to keep this company mm -hmm. happy because they're getting most of their money from it. yeah yeah, this was pointed out by, um, I believe, a House representative uh, who wrote a letter to the Attorney General, like pointing out, like, "Hey, yeah, this, there's some there's some stuff going on here. Uh, there's some uh, shady business going on." Okay, yeah. so so here's what I want. Here's the ground level, like nuts and bolts shit that I don't understand and I'm ignorant of that I want to know. 
because like whenever I read about this on my own, um, it's filtered through the news media and there's like, you know, it, it's given the spin of like, yeah, of, of being a, a David and Goliath story. Right. And there's, yeah. <clears throat> so in the beginning, like when people started buying this, I've, I already asked you this question, but when people started buying this stock, most of them were doing it with an expectation that they were making a financial investment that would pay off in some way. Like they were expecting to invest low in GameStop, wait for the stock to rise and cash out. Yes. And, and there's some, you know, there's, folks on the internet too like if, i mean if you just thumb through wall street bets somewhere yeah, yeah. like around the end of january you'll see a multitude of stances like yes i would say mostly everybody i mean yeah you're not going to put in money um expecting to lose right sure sure but i know everybody's going into it knowing that it's a bet right or it's like a gamble yeah. it's a gamble there's risk involved and potential risk and Potential reward so sure. yeah everybody um i am into it yeah, yeah with that but the the reason a huge you know catalyst for a, a huge amount of people involved in that was the narrative too of uh yeah. taking down a hedge fund yeah so it seems like like most other grassroots internet world like it started as one thing and then people seized on it and it immediately became about some other thing so it started out as like some people trying to make some money and then and then they realized oh my god we're going to have we're going to run this huge investment firm out of business uh because they're shorting gamestop yes um uh, okay so my next nuts and bolts question is the guy uh uh deep fucking value. stocks value uh, <laughs> uh so okay so when he because i didn't know that he opened this he opened a position years ago right on game 2019 yeah and he was expecting that gamestop stocks would rise yes why was he expecting this was he expecting it because he thought that the that like GameStop business would go up? You know, I, I don't think so. I think this was a opportunity that he saw whenever he was using options. I've mentioned that before. They're really yeah. complicated. Um, they can be really complicated, like the nuts and bolts of how options actually work are really complicated. Yeah. There's implied rates of implied volatility. There's um, time decay. There's, there's intrinsic value X extrinsic value, tons of stuff. Um, but uh, this guy knew all of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes when you're a trader full time of any kind, you know, you're, you have watch lists set up and you have uh, scanners set up so that if something hits a certain criteria, it'll, yeah. you'll get a notification or something like that. When you sure, scan sure. for it, it'll show up on mm -hmm. your list. Um, without knowing absolutely for sure, I imagine knowing this guy had a history in the financial world, yeah. professional world. He just saw this as an opportunity. And that's what he said too. He said, when I started this, I wasn't fighting the establishment. I just saw this yeah. as an opportunity for people to make money. So he posted it on the internet 
and was gotcha. like for two years, hey, check this out. Being very transparent, showing the value mm. like almost weekly of uh, or monthly, you know, of this position as he held it open. Yeah, um, yeah. So he basically just, sorry to interrupt you, but he basically no, just yeah. had the idea like, okay, so uh, uh, you, uh, it might be a good idea for um, retail investors to invest in crappy stocks because because they're volatile if you trade them well you can make a lot of money by investing in stocks that aren't doing well he just basically had that thought that idea and was trying to make money himself off of it yeah and then tell other people about it yes okay, uh, okay. yeah it was you know his own thing um and he I, I'm sure like most people that are traders on the internet, they, they say, you know, do your own research. This isn't financial advice, but yeah. some people love being transparent and just being like, check this out. Yo, what that's up? why he called yeah. it his YOLO bet. He said, it's like, it's <laughs> literally called is like YOLO uh, GME bet. And yeah. he YOLO'd, he fucking yeeted 50 <laughs> and he's now sitting on 22.4 million. Like it's crazy. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So, and the reason, so I guess the reason that this is being referred to as the GameStop short squeeze uh, uh, meltdown of 2021 is not because anybody in there are no like, retail investors. Squeeze short, would be shorters. That Melvin, just Melvin is, Capital. Yes. Yeah. So then the other part of this is that Melvin is shorting what had been shorting GameStop stock, which is betting that it was going to go down in price. Yes. And... Um, well, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and they were so... doing it in a very, what's so funny is that I believe Melvin Capital is considered a hedge fund. Um, mm -hmm. We won't get into that, but um Hedging means um, opening like a position or a trade that you hope doesn't become profitable. A hedge is like almost like an insurance bet if things yeah. go wrong elsewhere. Mm -hmm. What's so funny about this and beautifully ironic and just juicy with the irony mm -hmm. is that they, the specific type of like short they opened um, were with like, I forgot exactly what it was, but uh, it was in a it was in a way that was like that had essentially unlimited risk, um, yeah. which is fucking hilarious. They're a hedge fund and hedge like it's it's like a, uh, a certain type of fund um, designed to minimize loss. Risk. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. Um, and they fucked up so bad they chose a bet that they could <laughs> infinitely lose on. And they're yeah, like, oh yeah. fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, yeah, it's fucking hilarious. You're just like, yeah, you played stupid oh, yeah. games. You went, you play, win stupid prizes, you know. And so, like, so the concept of shorting seems like a, uh, like a social harm, like a, like just one of the shittiest ways to invest. To it's me. very and, sleazy. Yeah, because you're betting, and especially like a, an American hedge fund betting on an American company to lose money and then make a bunch of money off of yeah. them getting fucked. Um, like the Simpsons 
scene where they're like, "Stop, he's dead already." You know, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Stop, stop beating <laughs> yeah, him up. He's, he's dead already. already. Dead. Like, yeah. they're the bully that is like, "Oh, you're a failing company. Awesome. Yeah. You're gonna stay put right there, and we're just yeah. gonna kind of like float this giant amount of money over your head to suppress your price." Um, <laughs> and uh, so you just shut up and you sit there, and uh, yeah. we're gonna yeah. open this up. You and if anything happens sure. to you know us, eh, we'll just get a bailout. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I know that like uh, it was weird because as I was as this whole thing I was happening, I was watching a like literally the night that I read about the GameStop thing happening. Um, I watched this documentary about like um, people doing the same thing in um, like Chinese companies like shorting Chinese companies that they knew were doing uh, really poorly and that like it backfired in some way. And this happened in like 2015 and like, you know, a bunch of people who like a bunch of normal people um, lost a bunch of fucking money uh, as a result of big firms doing this. Um, so like, you know, I feel like there's, uh, <clears throat> like, uh, while uh, you should hesitate to, like, embrace the narrative that's being painted of, you know, some, like, lone basement-dwelling rebels taking on uh, this big uh, hedge fund. Like, I still think it's, like, um, interesting and good that they are doing that. And um, the idea that you can kind of just suicidally uh, kill off these guys by fucking with them in that way, like, seems like, like fucking awesome to me, you know, like, everybody Absolutely. should well, be doing this, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, also what it does is it like, it like, brings the story to national news. And like, you have to be that, like, it just like, totally illuminates that, like, the ideas of the American people, because you have to be like the real asshole to be on the hedge fund side of things, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, it's just like completely showing to everybody, including all these hedge fund managers, but like every single normal person like in the country like hates you. And like, you know, it like, like it makes like everything that Bernie Sanders was saying, like so much more like- So obvious. Yeah, like yeah, so obvious. obvious like, we're supposed true. to be against these people, you know? yeah um yeah what why i i did mention earlier i feel like it it's not going to last unfortunately i'm being pessimistic there i want it to last sure, um sure. but the thing is retail investors um will run out of money at some point right um yeah. versus an investment firm um, yeah and there's no way however, they're gonna like they're not gonna let it like they're gonna clamp this shit down as soon as they put Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, however, we do got, an, it sounds like we got another round of stimmies coming, boys. Ooh. Oh, hell yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, get that 14. Yeah. That, those 14 bills. Is yeah, it also true going. that every time Elon Musk like tweets about a stock or a thing or a cryptocurrency, it just immediately shoots up? Like he has like some singular power to like help control this wave because Reddit nerds. Of course, like they worship yeah. Elon Musk. Everybody knows this. 
Absolutely. So that was uh, definitely the next biggest uh, topic in the news, the in the the money markets out there. So you're absolutely right. Uh, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, mostly crypto Twitter, and um, Elon has recently in, uh, been been increasing his his crypto tweet output. Um, so he started like picking up the Bitcoin and uh, Doge coin tweets <laughs> yeah. in December. If you're unfamiliar with Dogecoin, well, one, I hope you're familiar yeah, I, with it, Bitcoin it, by now. Yeah, it's just come so up, the audience out there. You we know? should all, yeah, yeah, we should all be familiar with Doge. Yeah. So yeah. Dogecoin is a as another cryptocurrency. It's a meme coin. Um, sure. It's also referred to as just a shit coin. It's a pump and <laughs> up, up shit coin. Like there's no use case for it. The yeah. owner hates the coin because he knows it is, it's a joke, but it's now a snarky like meme, you know, like it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. fucking hilarious. Um, so anyhow, uh, he tweeted about that in December, but then like last week he changed his Twitter bio to just hashtag Bitcoin. And yeah. then there was like immediately like a fucking giant pump um, immediately, like mm. the two hours following that tweet, uh, specifically Bitcoin pumped like huge. Um, but then it fell uh, a little bit right after, right? It's, it's, it was a pump. And then of course it sort of ran it out dumped. of steam and deflated, um, but not, uh, yeah, yeah, anyhow. Um, but then like uh, after that happened, he made another tweet like a day or two later and he was like off Twitter for a while, but then he just started tweeting the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and so his second day back into tweeting, um, he started tweeting. He like in the wee hours of the night, uh, like fired off four or five tweets about Dogecoin <laughs> and then like Dogecoin pumped, but he's now just totally participating in the Dogecoin meme. But as the richest person in, in the world. In the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing about Dogecoin is it has no like fundamentals to it. Like there's, it's a meme coin purely um, even more no... meme than GameStop was. Yeah. Uh, like, so when you say that it has no fundamentals, you're saying that there's really no, like when you're like uh, talking about like the value of Dogecoin, there's no like real world value that it represents yeah, there's no like yeah it's just there's no like employee like company that like yeah, yeah that yeah. it's it's uh, like usually cryptocurrencies outside of bitcoin yeah. a lot most cryptocurrencies are like a tokenized form of value for that company or protocol yes. right um there's something there's some function there and like bitcoin serves as like a an inflation uh, hedge like a hedge against inflation on the u.s dollar or whatever mm. fiat currency mm. and um and it's a store of value right um yeah. bitcoin is but yeah dogecoin is just this for if the same thing happened with dogecoin back in like 2017 or something it mm -hmm. hasn't done anything in between these two p points of time there's no purpose <laughs> just a, literally a shit coin yeah. um and so like half of crypto Twitter loves it because yeah, the richest man in the world is now uh, talking about 
cryptocurrency. That's yeah. good for the space. But then a lot of other people on crypto Twitter fucking hate this because um, a lot of people have like been grinding at this for years. And mm-hmm. we're at the start of a bull market right now. It's awesome. Yeah. Like the markets in crypto are fucking lit right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are like, why are you going to tell people to hop into Doge, Elon Musk? Like you have all this power but you're choosing to participate in this fucking meme. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. such a volatile coin too, yeah. that it shot up to eight cents, um, like a couple days ago. And now it's back down to four cents right now. Mm. It's a 50% decrease, right? Yeah. Imagine if you were oh, on eight. Twitter and you're like, Oh yeah, let's hop in. It's at eight. Yeah. And then people are memeing, Oh, send it to $1, send it to $1. And all yep. the noobs and normies that haven't been in like the space for years <laughs> yeah. um, are don't understand the implications of that yet. Um, yeah. and I'm gonna be going honest. To get... I was like very, very close to investing. I'm so in glad Dogecoin. you didn't. If I, if I, if like I was very broke, and if I had had money, I probably would have done it. I would have thrown yeah. something. In I'm there. so glad so. you. <laughs> Against you... your wishes, I was like, I'm seeing the memes. I know it's gonna hit a dollar. <laughs> But like, dude, yeah. I'm so glad you asked me because the next day, right? We were, yeah, I was, like, I was yeah. like, look, dude, like, yeah, you would have bought that. Um, <laughs> but of course, you know, if you time it right, great, good for you. The people who are going to intentionally time it right are people that have been doing this for years. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have risk management, right? They're not yeah. going to say, oh, fuck, let me take, you know, my paycheck. Yeah. I will like to yeah. say, like, just, for the record, I'm not into risk management. SlimeWire, sure. we don't we don't care about risk management. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, the SlimeWire media conglomerate. We're trying to get into this into this crypto sphere. We're trying to get into the yeah. into the meme stocks. We want to do it. Um, so yep. if you if you would like to donate m- money to the SlimeWire <laughs> yes. media conglomerate, just just so I have some money to invest into Dogecoin or what? whatever meme you want me to to prop up. You know, just DM Absolutely. me on DM me on Twitter. I'll hit you with my cash app or paypal or whatever yeah so, so you need yeah. them to pay you in crypto yeah well you, you can do no what's... i'd rather i'd rather have real money yeah and then i'll, <laughs> well... and then I'll turn it into crypto baby <laughs> well no then you're paying Give transaction money, fees. Trying to say. Yeah. oh shit you're right yeah, let them pay the transaction right. fees chill clinton yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Do what Soldier Boy did. Uh, Soulja oh yeah. Boy's we also have just, to talk about Soldier Boy. He's getting in on he's uh, loving crypto right now. He's really into it. Um, but into he crypto. is he is just fucking like fish in a barrel for crypto Twitter right now. It's so funny. It's fucking hilarious. He has no idea what he's doing. Um, Soldier Boy's hilarious even when it's not him being funny. Like when other yeah, people, other right. people yeah, project yeah. they're funny onto right. soldier boy. <laughs> <laughs> but he like, uh, just came out into like Twitter and was like, what are the best cryptos or like cryptos lit right now? And then of course he gets like flooded with like, Oh, this coin, this coin, that coin. Yeah. Um, by, uh, tons of fanboys of like different coins and shit. And then, um, he made a post. He was like, all right, this is my portfolio now or something. And it was just like five of the, just the worst shit coins that like, nobody's <laughs> really into And everyone's like, why the, like, who told you to do this? Like, this is literally the worst, 
bag you could have put together like you chose <laughs> that's it's so almost, good dude. yeah it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing um yeah i mean so, if somebody like elon musk can be the richest person in the world like i there's something to be said about like the uh parallel between like these stupid meme stocks and these stupid meme coins going up and then at the same time elon musk like inexplicably becomes the richest person in the world when his company doesn't produce anything except for like four or five cars a year that tend to kill whoever like is driving them, you know, like he's, he's only like the richest person in the world because of name recognition. Cause he's and, a meme. Yeah. Yeah. He's a meme. He's like a that's meme the only reason, person right, in the world. you know, yeah, yeah. his company yeah. doesn't actually produce anything. And he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't care about his uh, reputation either. Right. It's not like yeah. he's like uh, worried that, uh, or even his money. Like he could, like he could lose <laughs> so much money. And then write a book and make mil- millions. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his value is based off of a bunch of people's like uh, desire to see like a uh, a, like a lay a, a lay epic man. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. To be like back in the 1920s and like right. imagine that you that this guy is like the next Henry Ford that's gonna fucking like revolution be like an industrialist uh uh superman of the 21st century and uh yeah yeah but if elon musk can become the richest person then what's stopping soldier boy is all i'm saying right soldier boy's coming up he'd be way more deserving of the title yeah yeah i would love if soldier boy was the richest man alive that beats yes if soldier boy had the kind of ideological clout that elon musk currently does have (laughs) i think the world would be a better place Yes. Yeah, like, people were like, yeah. If people were like, did you listen to that new podcast with Soldier Boy? Man, this guy's gonna like take on. Like, <laughs> you got to be like paying attention to this guy. Like, whatever so- ideas Soldier Boy has will be better for the social body than Elon Musk's <laughs> right. ideas. Right. Um, I had emerald yeah. mine guy. <clears throat> um, we we've been going for a while, so we have to wrap it up like relatively soon. Um, but I did have another question for slime it's uh yes. or shill i'm sorry I'll, I'll edit that out yeah what the um fuck? But, yeah sorry <laughs> but um it, when you edit it can you do like a little we have a little beep. question for <laughs> yeah don't yeah, like edit it out no yeah we'll, we'll have a little bleep thing yeah hell yeah it'll yes. be something vaporwave but um but what i wanted to know because we were talking about it last time we were talking is about this world of this phrase dgen like what is the oh, yeah. dgen world what does dgen mean well, um, I first heard Dejan um, from the show Letterkenny. Okay. Uh, you guys familiar with that show? It's on Hulu. I know uh, of it. Canadian comedy. Never seen it. Oh, it's great. Uh, I thought you saw it, Morgan. I thought you liked it. I've never heard of that. I don't know what that is. I don't get Hulu. <laughs> I don't get Hulu. I have, Hulu, have Hulu, but I don't, I don't watch TV and I've, I've ah. never heard of it. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, so anyhow, it's short for degenerate. Um, sure, but then yeah. once I started spending more time on crypto Twitter, I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. Everybody's using this word. I know exactly what it means. I love it. It's <laughs> a great word to, yeah. to pack the punch of the word degenerate in two syllables is, oh, just yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. this, this main, like the first guy, what was his name? Deep fucking wall. Deep fucking value. Deep fucking, deep fucking value. value. Is he considered a degen? I don't think so. Just because of his like 
you know, traditional finance, financial uh, experience. Yeah. He, a degen is somebody who's going to ape in with uh, a, a big bag and um, expose themselves to an asset uh, in a very irresponsible way. So in crypto, <laughs> this happens, uh, you, you know, every second in crypto, you know, somebody is is aping a, a you know into the next low cap um crypto uh on uniswap it's called um and like <laughs> they'll they'll like throw in an eth uh which is an ethereum token and like buy some tokens not knowing like <laughs> if it's been the the code's been audited not knowing uh if the the owners of the company are doxed um that's what being a degen is you are just making incredibly high risk bets uh yeah <laughs> what's so amazing about like so much of crypto the world of crypto too is like um so many people just admit to having thousands to hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars in crypto holdings but like hundreds of dollars in their checking and savings account <laughs> just because people are like well, yeah why would i hold cash like that doesn't make any sense yeah yeah it's <laughs> hilarious it's fucking hilarious That's awesome. so yeah uh i think down the line i would uh love to come back and share some um alternative forms to investing uh for the the common people to empower Absolutely. themselves financially um and it's about the most vaporwave uh evolution of financial markets that uh, that i've come across oh if there's so. anything vaporwave it's yeah it's just the, the concept of uh like being able to invest in uh something mostly owned by redditors and like fortune right. people <laughs> right. like that's incredibly yeah yeah so like you should totally do that because i am financially illiterate so right. if not for our viewers then at least for me right. personally to do it and um <clears throat> i was also thinking like whenever i see like news stories about uh about this whole gamestop short squeeze finance uh, phenomenon uh the article always mentions oh the uh wall street bets lingo is so dense and deep that it can take years to fully uncover it's like <laughs> secrets so you should so we should do like a, like a like wall street bets lingo explainer and definitely come on because like the last two sentences that you sentences you just said i didn't understand 50 percent of the words <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that happened there so yeah like we should uh yeah tell the people like we should give people a primer on definitely wall street bets lingo right yeah or you know uh yeah crypto crypto lingo because i i am crypto going lingo, to do yeah. my best to uh try to convert as many people to the crypto space uh spread the gospel yeah right. spread the gospel of crypto so yeah well yeah thanks for having me on boys uh it's been a real pleasure no yeah problem. yeah well it's been a pleasure having you before we let you leave we i like i i hit up evan like the other night and i was like we, I'm adding another segment. I have to. I refuse to gloss <laughs> over uh, Lil Uzi Vert forehead diamond. So I'd love to have you hear your thoughts on this. Um, yes, we want you here for this. Yeah. So for for anybody that doesn't know, I feel bad for you if you don't know. But Lil Uzi Vert, famed SoundCloud rapper, 
he had a $24 million pink diamond implanted in his forehead. <laughs> and like shortly afterward, he, he like posted a picture of himself with it. And then he posted a picture of it like bleeding, like, you know, that real dark red blood that looks like, yeah, that shit was infection. yeah, like fresh yeah. out of the brain blood. Dirty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, he was like, if, if, if I don't get it taken out the right way, I'll die. Literally. <laughs> so what does Wild. this mean? What does this mean for the future of like rapper body modification? Like, is yeah. this, is this going to be the starting off point for what happens in the future? Or is this a tale of hubris and the shit's going to get infected and Lil Uzi is either going to die or like have horrible infection on his face and have to remove well, his diamond? I'll throw this to our finance expert. Do you think that diamond has of being installed into Lil Uzi Vert's face? That's such a good question. The novelty, right? I think the novelty factor. That's what I was certainly. Thinking, yeah pump the oh, price yeah. Um, yeah if somebody and... dumps him and they rip that shit out and they take it and it's still got like some skin and some bone you right know, they implanted it in the the man's forehead like they had to like grab the bone at some like if it has like bone and skin attached to it you don't even have to do any dna testing anybody will know oh this is from will uzi Vert's forehead you know right <laughs> yeah oh shit that's the that's the one that's yeah. The diamond, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the point it's, we know it's worth 24 million dollars and it has a little bit of little uzi or dna attached to it so yeah. it will be worth a little bit more there's no other uh juice you know it's just gonna have like a wrapper scent to it you know right so it'll be unmistakable as the little easy for diamond Diamond. Four million dollar diamond. Yeah, I didn't know that. Ten twenty-four million. Jesus Christ! I didn't Gold think Lucy Vert was like that big of a like. Is he like the richest rapper right now? His no, well, no, but his last album uh did like comparable numbers to like the most recent like Drake album. Like not as much, but yeah. like very up there. He's oh, no right shit. up there with Drake in as like terms and supposedly he's been paying off this diamond since 2017 he's had this plan for years which makes it you know he's taking out like a mortgage for this diamond <laughs> yeah he's been yeah millions of yeah i was gonna say like for that price for that price the amount of chains you could buy like the amount of like fucking chains wristwatches uh, like you could buy a fucking you could like buy like five houses for that diamond. right <laughs> Still, how, <laughs> yeah. how much was the uh, the galaxy chain that Offset had? You remember that? Oh, I don't remember the. Uh, I do You're the remember one that the... told me about it. It was Offset had a chain that was like the entire solar system, and it, <laughs> it cost like an absurd amount of money. But it, it's like pennies compared to this movie vert pink uh, diamond. No way. That has to. When I heard twenty four million, I thought that's definitely the most expensive piece of swag, ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is of all time. Apparently, it's the offset chain was only five hundred thousand. Yeah, that's half what, a million. But yeah. like, at the time hearing that, right. I was like, "Whoa, that's fucking crazy." Half a million right. dollars on a chain. Yeah. Here, Uzi 
Uzi puts 24 mils. And also his life, apparently. And a <laughs> right. life is on the line. <laughs> puts it in a diamond to shove it in his fucking forehead. And Dude, now you you've imagine... like presented oh, all uh, heist thieves around the world with the greatest challenge known to their <laughs> the careers. Of all time. <laughs> it's a target right on his fucking right. Head. Yeah. You're going to have like George Clooney and like Ocean's 15. And be yeah. like, all right, boys, here's the plan. Dun, 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 <clears throat> fucking like uh, <clears throat> yeah brad pitt's gonna be like all right well we have a an earthquake machine that we're gonna put beneath the Uzi. we're gonna get him really <laughs> drunk and then we're gonna basically just uh drive him into a warehouse that we bought just take it have either, of you seen, remember. have either of you seen the videos of him like showing it off yes I've just seen he pictures. looks fucked up right you know? oh absolutely yeah. yeah i feel like he's i feel like he's always all just always like high he got uh, sober for like a while oh did he okay yeah good for but him. i think like either it's the like pain pills that they're giving him because there's no way that oh that's he true hurt, yeah or he's, yeah, he's, like, he's completely off the deep end you know right yeah right you relapse i don't know yeah can you imagine being the little like a uh, child soldier that dug up that diamond and then like, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> reading <laughs> later your boss your fucking like warlord is like oh yeah that diamond yeah crazy thing actually <laughs> it, it was the fucking kid in elon musk's dad's diamond mine <laughs> right <laughs> it's all yeah full circle here yeah um. all right well uh thank you very much uh shill clinton <laughs> yeah thanks shill yeah um, thanks boys yeah, yeah get back at us with some more uh financial uh basic financial literacy because i am like a caveman hell yeah hell yeah yeah. we'll get to it soon boys all right all right we'll see you guys next time yeah see you next time we'll break and then uh me and ek men sensei will be back
Riding through the guava like a drive through It don't matter if it's hard, I'm right beside you And she on my neck cause it costs too Shill Clinton for uh, thanks, Jill. Yeah, stepping in to help us with some financial news. But um, now it's me and EK Men. We're back with the culture portion of the segment. Shill might step yes. in uh, momentarily. I don't know. But um, so I did. I just recently, like within the last couple hours, watched episode twelve of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yes, <sighs> things are picking up. So things um, are picking up. Uh, we got a little bit more about the second impact. I will yes. say, uh, probably try and keep this brief because it's getting pretty late, but there were two main things that stood out to me. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Um, okay. The first was I really enjoyed the dialogue. Like when, um, uh, what's his name? What's Shinji's dad's name? Oh, Ikari. Yeah, Ikari. Ikari. When yeah. they go to... um. Uh, Antarctica and it's just like a radioactive sea and he's talking to that guy and he's Mm. like yes but this is an untainted land human skin (laughs) and then the other guy's like well I would rather have it with the humans and the sin you know that's a very very great uh, little philosophical tidbit it made me think of one of my favorite books uh, the brothers Karamazov by of course Creador Dostoevsky. Yes. And, uh, you know, sort of the the ultimate, um, I think that's one of the basic human questions is like, mm-hmm. are, are humans inherently sinful? Do they inherently ruin the world? What is better, nature or the city? Uh, yes. Know, those types of lofty questions. Yeah, indeed. Also, I'm sorry, uh, the dad's name is Gendo. I can't let that, uh, that Gendo. slide. Okay, so yeah. I got to I got to I got to correct that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So that where they're quietly. Uh, uh, yeah. Looking at the sea of uh, what's it called? Uh, that the sea is now named something. And you'll notice that it's a it's a red sea. So it's yeah. a biblical reference. And yeah, yeah. So they're talking about like, ah, uh, yes, but uh, progress is the only way that we shall <laughs> be able to overcome the sins of man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's starting to yeah, it's starting to pick up in the heavy philosophical themes. Um, uh, yeah. So that was a good part of that. Um, I mean, my favorite part. I don't know if this is going to be your next point, but my favorite part of it is that at the end. This is definitely not my next point. So what, okay. what did you have to say about the end? So the end is where you get, uh, and once again, we're trying to drill home this basic idea of uh, like 
uh, uh, character development happening or not happening? And is it character development that is like uh, normal for anime and what's happening? And at the very end, uh, so after the, uh, the shot in the dark mission that they all go on, uh, they go out to the ramen restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Shinji's like, well, I think I like to pilot the robot because of my dad. I like to hear the words of praise <laughs> from my dad. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's just this very sad thing of a, a son whose father doesn't love him. And uh, he's realizing now that he, uh, he pilots the robot in order to gain the approval of his father, of his distant father. Very sad thing. Um, and you're going to notice... So, like, we're nearing the halfway point of Evangelion. Character development is beginning to happen. Um, and so this is, like, the midway point of a show where you think that things are going to change and the uh, catharsis is being set up for the, like, climax of the show or the narrative, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so... You know, just keep on paying attention to whether that happens. All right. Well, my second point uh, is not nearly as lofty, but um, the yeah. uh, design of the angel in this episode. Yeah. I would just, you, can you picture it in your mind? You know, it's like, it's like an it's eye. with like, Big eye with wings floating in yeah, space. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to know, was this before or after um, Pokemon 2000 and with the the unknown Pokemon. Ah. It looks just fucking like the unknown Pokemon. Oh, you're um, right. Slimewire right. lore is that my first Slimewire album was called Parts Unknown, uh, spelled as if... U-N-O-N. U-N-O-U-W-N. Yeah. 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 Uh, so definitely precedes unknown death. God damn, my internet connection is still fucking up. I don't really, I'm not sure if those two have any overlap, but I mean, you okay? You okay there, Chief? Yeah, can you see you froze me? Up can there. you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, froze yeah, up you there were for breaking me. up for me, so I didn't hear what you last said. Okay, uh, I will repeat it. Uh, so, uh, definitely preceded Pokemon uh, 2001, the second Pokemon film where the unknown make their first appearance. But uh, I would imagine, like, you know, anybody that was in the anime industry at that time would have seen Evangelion. But I couldn't tell you whether, like, they were inspired off of that, mostly because, like, giant fixed unblinking eyes are kind of like a fixture of the uh, aesthetic of lots of anime. So, you know, yeah. whether, there, whether there was some inspiration taken there or not. That's beyond me. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Well, NGE is ramping up. We're getting ready to have more NGE. And it's, it's yes. supposed to be getting very better, much better soon. Well, not better, yeah, you're, but more, you're, more uh, talkable. You're two episodes away two from, episodes from the from thing. From like, well, I guess from when it starts to get weird. Okay. Right. So you're two episodes away. And uh, yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything, but um, one thing that I like from this episode is where, you like, this happens a couple times in 
Evangelion where um, she's talking about the like suicide mission that they all have to go on. And she's like, it has a 0.00000001% chance of working. Yeah. Like, yeah. like a, <laughs> like a ridiculously small amount, like such a small amount that it could never, you know, it's, it would never work. And yeah, it's like it's such it's a, not gonna happen. it's just a strange exaggeration, you know, like it's, yeah, I, I remember when I was watching it thinking to myself, like, well, that just means that it's going to work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Of course it's going to work, but, like, I just imagine, like, the writer's room, like, who who the fuck thought, like, no, 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 let's make it, like, a like a ten billionth of a percent of a chance that it'll happen. That'll really <laughs> drive up the stakes. And, like, yeah, such a weird decision. But, yeah, um, it's killing it, though. Yeah, it's getting up. It's ramping up there the main philosophical themes are beginning to express themselves. Yes, of course. Sorry. Um, all right. Well, we have four albums to review. Let us do it. All right. Um, so let, let's go from like, from like worst to best, I guess. And from your perspective, what, what, what did you think was the worst here? Okay. Um, well, uh, that's um. I'd have to say Yellow Flower Lost was uh, my trash, the trash of the week for Man, me. I'm, I I hate to do this, but I'm going to have to fight you on this because I actually really uh, enjoyed Yellow Flower Lost. I thought it was very good and I thought it was very sad and it was a good vibe. But so what were, what did you, what, what, what did you not like about it? Okay, well, you start off and you get like, it's like, it's like vaporwave country music, you know, like it's like this jangling guitar melody. Um, and it's just very slow. It's boring. I think so. Uh, as I was listening to it, I was thinking, why don't I like this? Why do I think this sucks so hard? And I think that part of it is that uh, my life in a rural Japanese community is too similar to the tone of this album right <laughs> i mean i feel like that should make you uh like it more no because i already have my fill of like like i literally like i uh i literally went to a forest monastery last week like i literally <laughs> <laughs> like i went okay. to a forest monastery there's one a half an hour away from where i live and I'm not kidding in any sense of the word. It's a monastery in the forest. Okay. And I went there. So, um, yeah. So, like, you know, it, it's, like, ambient music, but it's also got, like, real instruments. And, like, my ambient music, if I'm listening to ambient music, I want it to be, like, electronic music, you know? Well, um, I will say that, like, I mean, you were saying that it's sort of, like, a sing-songy thing. But, like, I mean, all of the vocal parts, like, they're pitched down. Like, it's either they're samples or they're made to sound like samples you know it's not like it's not vaporwave or anything <laughs> sorry i actually well i actually really enjoyed it a lot it was very um like i really liked the vibe of it just like i don't know i'm fucking like the night that i heard it this is kind of sad but i recently found out that a friend of mine from high school passed away yeah. So I was very sad. And then I sort of, I knew that I had to listen to that album and I knew it was going to be sad. 
So I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. why, why don't I just, you know, I was, let me just get through this. And, uh, yeah, sure, sure. you know, it was just, I just thought it was really beautiful. And it even had a song. My favorite track on there was called Cemetery Walk. And it was just very uh-huh. poignant for me dealing yes. with the loss of my old friend and listening to this sort of beautiful vaporwave ode to loss and death. And uh, I, yeah, I, 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 because of my, that and like my attachment to it for that yeah. reason, I feel like I'll yeah. be going back to it uh, a lot in the future, you know? Huh. And so it sounds like uh, we, neither of us are really equipped to review this album properly due to our emotional states, because yeah. I am also like, like, you know, the source of conflict in my life right now is arising from the fact that I can't travel outside of my prefecture and I, you know, going to the city is kind of risky for me right now. So, uh, like I am trapped in a rural, uh, countryside bumpkin setting. And as you know, I'm a man of the city and I like the, uh, hustle and bustle of the city. I like the hustle. uh, I like the bustle, you know, I like the city lights. Yeah, I like that city life. So like I uh I think I've been drawn to music that is a little bit more hype because I'm trying to fucking get out of you know, it's like just a, a morphine drip of uh boredom out here, you know. Yeah. Um, next, I would say next time you're really sad, uh yeah. maybe try and listen to it again. Maybe I will. All right. Well, I don't have anything else about it. Yeah. I'd say that uh, we need to call this a no contest. We are both compromised. Yeah, I forfeit. <laughs> I forfeit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forfeit my right to have an opinion about this album. Uh, and also, in this way, I will avoid getting trashed by uh, uh, Tech Honors again on Twitter. So, shouts out Tech Honors. Uh, shouts out um, he had his Twitch stream Dino Hour, which I I popped in on. I popped nice. in in the chat from time to time. Shouts out tech. On. Oh, very nice. Um, all right. Uh, what would you say is the next uh, the next best from there? Okay, so from the next best, we got uh, the last the next three albums. I all I liked. Yeah, quite a okay, bit. Okay, so I'll I'll take it then. I'd say the one that I liked the least out of this bunch. Yeah, was this Black Banshee album. This Black Banshee. Yeah, so I liked... Uh, For the record, this is not Blank Banshee. This is Black Banshee. It's a different Black thing. Black Banshee. So Hold for it. a little... Yeah, for a little preface, um, it's like this mysterious album that popped up on Bandcamp and uh, nobody knows who it is. There is a rumor going around that it's HKE, but I don't <laughs> think that's true because basically what happened was somebody posted it in the Vaporwave Cassette Club like, hey, what is this? Mm. Uh, and then somebody commented on it and was like, oh, it might be HKE. You know, he hasn't been doing anything for like three months. And HKE has another different um, Blank Banshee parody record that he made <laughs> years ago called Blank Goofy, which is just Blank Banshee type music, but with goofy sound effects, like Goofy the cartoon dog. Character, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so one guy was like, oh, maybe it's HKE. And then like, I saw this album get reposted on like the Vaporwave subreddit and uh, on Vaporwave Twitter afterwards. And like people were commenting on it like, yeah, I heard it. I heard it's HKE, you know? So it's just like, it's just a story. So it's basically just some 
you know, because yeah. it doesn't sound yeah. to me like any music HKE would make. But um, yeah, but nor does it sound like anything Blank Banshee would make, right? Which is yeah, what makes not. this such a mysterious album. What I and, think, uh, I, I, my <clears throat> conspiracy theory so, is that the guy that originally posted it to the Vaporwave Cassette Club, I bet it's his album. I bet he hmm. did. And he posted it to the Vaporwave Cassette Club being like, oh, what's this? This is crazy, huh? You know? <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, okay, gotcha. No, no, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's like the Occam's Razor or edifice of it being like this like pirate like law yeah lost uh uh like like prince's black album you know <laughs> uh, like this album that was never supposed to be released to the public by blank banshee and uh and instead of being like the blank banshee sound it's just like really like conceptual lo-fi vaporwave just slowed down fucking like elton john samples you know? yes yeah, specifically like butt rock <laughs> and like the idea that like this is like blank banshee has like been secretly experimenting with this sound instead of doing like <laughs> like really like uh like masterful skillful like audio high uh, shit. yeah 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 he's like what if instead of doing that i just made a like really shitty <laughs> yeah butt rock vaporwave vapor rock album um uh, so I like that. And then the fact that it's called the Dark Album, again, that's like a, like a call out to the Black Album, right? Prince's yeah. Black Album. Is it called the Dark Album? And uh, I think so. I thought it was. Or is called it called the Black, Black Album? Banshee. You might oh. be right. Oh, no, I think it's just called Black. Oh, okay. I thought it was just called Black Banshee. No, the artist is called Black Banshee, and then the thing is called Black. I think. I don't know. But uh, yeah. And then, like, I just liked the uh, the very beginning uh, audio file of like this CD was meant for Sega for Sega CD hard drives only. Do not. Yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. Here with yeah, so I just love the idea that it's like this forbidden blank banshee release, right? <laughs> That's funny to me, and I like that. The actual music is like, uh, you know. Uh, but the concept alone earns it a bust for me. You're going to give it a buzz? Oh, I'm going to full bust. Of course I'm going Damn. to bust. Yeah. And I love the idea that, like, just because it's such a funny idea. I've never heard this idea happen before. Um, and so I'm going to give it a... Uh... <clears throat> ah, God. I'm going to give it a Pompey bust. Okay. Yeah, I recently I've been watching a uh, documentary documentary series on ancient Rome uh, in order to get a better idea of who I should be giving busts to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look up black busts, but it's just like African-American busts and none of them have names. Yeah, that so, doesn't oh, really OK, any. here I'm, it's wood bust of boy. Let me give it a wood bust of boy. <laughs> a wood bust of boy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. From there, uh, let's go um, to the next DDS album here. Oh, yeah. 
endless um endless endless mega tower endless mega tower yeah it's the spiritual sequel to of course derelict mega tower mega tower and um yeah yeah this album's fucking crazy dude. like there's so much experiment oh, yeah, it's it. great there's so many there's yeah. bangers on it too like there's like fucking like, yes the most ambient weird shit you can think of and there's the most banging fucking tracks on it too uh fucking lit. totally 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 lit. No, oh i loved it yeah. yeah so uh like as the spiritual you know i loved uh out of all of the pre i'll try living like this death dynamic shroud material uh uh endless or uh, uh the original mega tower is my favorite yeah, out of like all of it yeah derelict mega tower is like my favorite one so seeing that they did a sequel to it i was thrilled and um I loved the so a I like that it's a little bit shorter in length than the original derelict mega tower, uh, and it's I mean, got like the original one is like four and a half hours long or something. Yeah, yeah, but I love that one just because like it had the it just has the idea of like uh, like a mixtape that somebody threw all of their best material from like a year on. But I like this shorter one too, and there's like a there's samples on endless mega tower that I'm pretty sure are from the original derelict mega tower yeah i wouldn't be surprised yeah so i like that they're not afraid to reuse samples like in a sequel album they're reusing samples from the original derelict mega tower i could be wrong there's one song specifically that i'm thinking of uh that i'm pretty sure that the sample is if not the same sample then is from like the same source yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're like most of these samples are from the same sources, and like most of these sources are like Final Fantasy video games stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh... My favorite track was um track four. Oh yeah, track four was a man Tower no Hikari, the light of the tower. Are the are the names in Japanese? I thought they were in Korean. No, it's all Japanese. Oh damn. Yeah. Uh, track two. Uh, airplane panic. <laughs> <laughs> track two is fire too. Yeah, track two. Track two was great. Uh, yeah, track five and track six were great. Um, I loved uh track fifteen. Uh, Chiwo Shori Sochi. Uh, <clears throat> which was the slowed down theme music from the Super Mario. Like, you know, in Super Mario 64, four, where you go down the slide? Uh, and it's that no, music that's like... Vaguely, very vaguely. Uh, <clears throat> well, you would know it if you heard it. And it's like this, it's like the goofy, like, banjo song from Mario. <laughs> You'd know it if you hear it. Like, and it sounds so track, wacky. Track 15? <clears throat> yeah. It sounds so wacky and goofy when you're listening to it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, <laughs> yeah, but just slow it down and it becomes this like meditative like beautiful like end of like a film people riding off into the sunset type song, you know. And I love that. Nobody's ever thought to slow that track down before. <laughs> Genius. Um <clears throat> yeah, I loved this one. It was great. All right. I'll be coming back to this one as time goes on. Oh, yeah. This is going in the rotation for sure. Oh, yeah. 
I'm gonna give it a uh, an Aphrodite buff. I feel like okay, I'll give it a cat. I don't know who Aphrodite is, but I've heard the name before. I feel like they're pretty famous. So she's the Greek goddess of love. Oh, swag! Hell yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna give it a Cassius buff. Cassius. Yeah, Cassius like the Casio thing. keyboard or whatever. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Well, we got one more album to review. Yeah. And that is maybe my favorite of the bunch. I don't know what your thoughts of it were. But that it's was, close. of course, Music Here to Stay by 3D Blast. Yes. Uh, um, what, are, what were your thoughts, sir? So uh, I have skipped out on the last couple 3D Blast albums since... Um, um, Probably like Die a Hero. Die a Hero. Yes, Die yeah. a Hero. So I know that he has updated his sound to be much more high fidelity and like poppy and uh, stuff like that. Uh, and on this, I was surprised to hear like, it was very interesting to hear like he sounds like his music still has this kind of like <clears throat> kitschy, it's like borderline corny, but yeah just tongue-in-cheek enough that it is uh cool you know um and i thought like that still plays very well for me and i i feel like this is like this album if i had been like if i was still in the time of my music listening career where i was listening to uh like the avalanches a lot and like that kind of like you know plunder phonics type music um I would have thought this is like the best album ever, you know? Yeah. Um, and I really did, like, I liked it a lot. Um, I just felt like, I don't know, I sort of prefer the, like, I just feel like 3D Blast sound in particular is better when it's a little bit more lo-fi because it works, like, just because of that, like, tongue-in-cheek quality of, like, having, like, perky, cute little samples talking yeah, about, like... Yeah. Yeah, like music here to stay or music here to stay, you know, um, and stuff like that. Uh, like that just works better when it sounds a little bit more mixtapey, you know? Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Um, the reason I like it a lot is like, I think it's like really like, there, there's something about it that sounds just like sort of like wholesome, you know? It has like this mainstream appeal where like, if there was like an alternate world where like George Planton didn't exist, you know, I feel like 3D Blast could be like the mainstream overlap in like Vaporwave with this album. And I think a lot of that comes from like, uh, like 3D Blast is like one of the first Vaporwave artists to like not be like super anonymous and put their name out there. And they like, they make music live on Twitch, like on stream a lot. And mm -hmm. um, probably many of the tracks on this album were made live like really with, with people watching him like make this album and so like yeah he has this sort of like uh like air of like being like I, i'd sort of describe him as like the people's champion of like vaporwave i see yeah. he's the public persona yeah he's the public but he's not like he's not as big as like the george plantons <laughs> or the dan masons or the like the dds's but he's like he's the underground guy that's trying to like stick his in the door you know and this is like yeah. 
you know, this is like his first, um, this isn't his first release on business casual, but this is the first like vinyl run, which is like really mm. important, you know, because mm. like so many vaporwave albums have been on vinyl before. It's like totally ridiculous that a 3D blast album hasn't been on vinyl. So like, I feel like this was like a big statement of intent and like, yeah, the music just has this like sort of mainstream funky air of like wholesomeness and like, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. He's people's champion of vaporwave in my opinion. Yes, this is like block party summer music. Like this is the perfect, this is music that is, you can tell is designed not, I mean, like it's an, it's, you know, an artistic statement, but it's designed based off of uh, what an artist is thinks that will be maximally entertaining for like an audience you know yeah this just sounds like a mat like this just sounds like something i would fucking love to see at like a live show oh god yeah, um, yeah and i like where so like the first uh couple tracks he has sort of like a like a <clears throat> like a chill driving in a convertible in the sunset type vibe like a nostalgic vibe you know yeah and then i think in like 20 probably like going for the orange and then 20 infinity nailed frequencies and live forever. It's kind of like more like party music, like club music, hard beats, you know? Yeah. And like, even like, I think the, um, the uh, like segue track for that is track three, Jamila Jamil. Yeah. Like another thing I liked about this album was the use of like meta, the meta use of samples. Yeah. So like yeah. halfway through that track, like it's like, it's like really slow and nostalgic and sort of building and then uh. like it cuts out and then there's a vocal sample in there where some dude's like man give me something to dance to and then it's oh like, yeah, 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 yeah yeah and it's like yeah. you know he's aware of like the flow of his own album like you can tell how much work he puts into it and uh, yeah yeah I really totally and that is that's another thing where it's like that is just kitschy enough where I'm like oh that's that's great like I love that you know, like if it was just any more kitschy than that, I'd be like, ah. yeah, but it's just like, yeah, self-aware enough and like tongue in cheek enough that it is makes it just like, yeah, fun. And another um, instance of the um, the meta use of sampling is um, I can't remember which track it is, but there's a repeated sample where the guy's like, slow down, slow down, slow down. That's my game, you know, and it's like that's big yeah yeah it's a sample about vaporwave you know it's so so cool yeah for sure yeah um yeah i mean yeah generally this is like uh another thing where uh i think that he is like he's a master of using uh of like using vaporwave sounds but then making it into a dancey vibey type yeah like a house uh, atmosphere you know yeah or where it's like you still have yeah you still have those like you still have like slowed down voices in the background but uh it's wild and like fun to dance to like i was listening to it in the car while i was driving around and i was like you know i feel like my like young students would like this until they realized the like strange droning uh slowed down voices in the background it's like <laughs> oh yeah it's still a vaporwave uh but yeah i really liked uh you got it just that the like uh the samples of those uh uh somebody saying you got it over and over again and it sounds yeah, like yeah. it's going through like a fan 
That was some good shit. Um, yeah. 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 Just like, yeah. In general, this is, yeah, it was a great album. I will say that I liked uh, Endless Mega Tower better than this one. That's fine. That's your winner pick. Yes. Uh, my winner pick is uh, Music Here to Stay. And I am going to give it a bust. And I searched the most, the most famous Roman bust since 3D Blast is the People's Champion of Vaporwave. Yeah. And that would be the orator. The orator. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh, search who was the funnest Roman emperor? <laughs> Who's the most fun? And uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that right now, but I'll do it later. And next episode, we'll all give a posthumous fun golden butt. Well, I mean, come on. You got to come up with something. Okay. Okay. Well, but I feel like if I type in right now, who was the funnest Roman emperor, it's going to take me a long time to like make that meaningful in any way. Okay, well, I just start here. Can you see this? Probably can't see it very well. No, 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 not at all. Oh, well, I Google searched who was the most fun Roman emperor. And the first thing that popped up was the wackiest Roman emperor. <laughs> <laughs> so according to this, the wackiest Roman emperor was Tiberius. Tiberius, huh? yeah oh yeah 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 in that fucking uh, documentary i watched he like retired to an island and he was just like banging hoes the entire time that he was the emperor everybody hated him because he was like a sexual deviant and uh yeah he was a huge douchebag um okay but he seems pretty wacky to me <laughs> is that what uh, you're gonna give this album or do you have something else in yeah there? i'll give him a, i'll give him a type <laughs> yeah tiberius all the way all right well i guess that um that does it for the slime wire podcast episode 2829 um mr shill clinton if you're still here if you would like to unmute your audio and say goodbye um at the end of each episode we say sayonara i'd love to thanks for the all right well does anybody else have anything else to say i'm good I think we're good I'm to happy. go. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I will be the first to lead us in a sayonara. Uh, sayonara. Sayonara. Ma'am, did you get any strange people in here late at night? Yes, we do. <laughs> I wonder what she's talking about. Look, this is a special 7 Eleven. It comes equipped with dancers for your entertainment. No cover charge. Well, she's not really dancing. She's just standing next to the frozen food. What do we have, ma'am? Orange and cola. Orange and cola. Chris? The orange. The orange. It's going for the orange.
excited, America. I'm just glad we're all here sharing in the excitement. Let's go. Dun, dun, dun.